So it's A. Wood Crawford, the guy is a filmmaker, screenwriter, director, and producer at CCG Creative Group. He's got many years of experience in the model, and his mission, his mission is to help makers discover their superpower and to actually become the extraordinary storytellers they always wished they can be. Through strategy coaching, creative collaboration, please introduce to the stage, Hayward Crawford. What's up, my man? Oh, thank you, man, for that intro. Uh, definitely appreciate you having me on, bro. Uh, I appreciate you building it up, but at the end of the day, I'm a regular guy and a filmmaker like everyone else. And as far as that that share stream contest, I don't know, I forgot what, I don't know if we mentioned what the raffle was, but I hope that includes guests because I just shared it on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, your stream. Oh, so sure. hopefully I, that gives me three times, right? I get three times to enter in there? Yeah, <laughs> actually, you're going you're gonna to get three times the information. Okay. You're going to get 3x the results, man. That's the good now one. If I, now, if I did win, that'd be kind of like, <laughs> that'd probably piss a lot of people off, but uh, you know, might as well, you know, <laughs> never know. But thanks for having me, bro. And um, yeah, just a little bit about myself. I am a, uh, I'm, I'm originally from uh, Michigan, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, and fun fact, Gabriel, I don't know if you know the Detroit French, I think it's pronounced Detroit. Detroit, yes. And it's actually, yeah, it was founded by the French, French settlers, 1701. Oh, really? Right? I didn't so, know that. Yeah, yeah. Detroit is a French-based name. Um, and then actually right across the Detroit River, you have Windsor, Canada. And obviously Canada's French-Canadian-based, wow. uh, obviously it's Canadian-based country. Yeah. Um, but thanks for having me, bro. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to have here. I know we met through our mutual uh, group, uh, Grant Cardone, uh, yeah, Grant Cardone right. Mastermind. Um, and fellow filmmakers, it's always great to connect and kind of just share some nuggets. And like I said, I'm nobody special. You know, I grew up like, uh, you know, middle working class blue collar uh, in the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan. And, uh, you know, basically kind of figured this filmmaking thing out, didn't have much exposure to film throughout K through 12 school and all the way through like not even really till college I picked up my first camera after my second year so I wasn't sure how deep you wanted me to dive into but uh long story short I mean um moved out to Los Angeles a couple years ago and um you know I came from Michigan roots where we had a lot of different uh, uh films that were shooting in Michigan a lot of opportunity and then of course things happen like any like any cycle of the economy and a lot of the work went away, so you kind of had to learn how to pivot where you could. So I'm just really interested in uh, kicking off this conversation. Obviously, feel free to give me questions so we can keep things aligned with the agenda. Um, but just as far as that goes, we're really going to you know, talk just basically about what type of filmmaker you might be. Because I think a lot of people don't really realize from a personality standpoint or a risk tolerance standpoint where you fall in the spectrum. So you got to figure yourself out first. You can't be out here just chasing wherever the shiny object is. Um, so with that in mind, like, yeah, we can feel free to kick off the conversation. I don't wanna uh, rant too much, so. But yeah, you're right, definitely yeah. go in that because I don't know about that. Like, what do you think? Do you think there, there are types of filmmakers? Tell me more about that, man. Yeah, I'd say the first thing you wanna break down is my belief, and once again, this isn't backed by a particular science. There is some science to kind of the coaching and the things I do uh, to help my clients out. In addition to me being a filmmaker, I'm still a filmmaker. I write, direct, shoot my own content. Well, not really shoot so much anymore. <laughs> write, direct, produce. But a lot of people don't understand the first thing they want to realize if whether they are a veteran filmmaker that feels like they may reach a plateau, they feel like they're on the same hamster wheel, or if you're brand new, looking to get involved, about to go to film school, 
Maybe you just want to pick up a camera and just and be self-taught. First thing you got to realize is that what most people don't think about is that there is crew-minded versus creator-minded. Mm. All right, there's crew-minded versus creator-minded. And I reiterate this, and I'll say it several times, there is no right or wrong. It's all about what works for you. All right. Now, when I say crew minded, this is someone who, once again, they may be more on the technical side. Really, a lot of the things when it comes to camera, lighting, grip work, they really gravitate towards that. They want to know every little thing there is, and they tend to be more of a supportive role. All right. When it comes to that, and they get really good at their craft, learning the specs and the ins and outs. And they're pretty much the people that, you know, go on to be the camera assistants, the ACs, the the grip and the, and the gear, you know, all, all the all the gear side, all the production, technical side, post-production, editors, colorists, whatever that is, all right? Now, there's another side, um, and that's the creator mindset, or creator-minded. And creator-minded is, yeah, you may be a little bit more on the creative side. You're not so much technical. You're more big picture. So you're someone who's waking up three in the morning with this great idea. You got to write it down. You have a lot of big picture stories. These tend to be more of your writers, more of your directors. The big picture people, they want to save the world and we want to make a great film together, you know? And once again, there's no right or wrong, but those people, once again, I kind of started out in the middle and I thought early on in my career, I was a crew-minded mindset. I came from Michigan, which is blue collar, get the money, you know, what can I do to get this work? And then early on in my film career, I was like, oh, I got I to gotta do this in order to get the money, to get the jobs, to learn the skill set, get the certification. But then as time went on, I discovered I was just a little bit, that wasn't really who I was. I had kind of a big picture creator mindset. So it took me a while to really accept that I'm really more this big picture person. I love like, you know, working with people. I like building up crews and teams. And really, as far as the writing, the writing side goes, putting these big picture uh, uh, stories together as far as like TV pilots or features and put, bringing people together in groups. So mm-hmm. it really took me a while to really discover I was forcing myself, I was kind of shoehorning myself into being crew minded when I was really creator minded. Mm-hmm. And the creator minded, guess what? <laughs> you might not get paid a whole lot or you won't get paid as much as crew minded people in the beginning because they're so laser focused. Yeah, they get those jobs. They get those jobs that pay. They get the technical uh, required, uh, you know, positions. Um, so you really have to make that choice is you really got to sit down and think and this is part of what I the first thing I kind of sit down with my clients uh, when I'm doing my coaching sessions from day one, because they're not teaching you this in film school. No, you no, know, no, and no, I've been no, to film no, school. No. Oh, yeah, I did both, bro. I mean, I, I did the self-taught route. I did the traditional schooling four year college. I had a few years after college figuring out, had the camera going around shooting stuff, figuring out. Then I decided, you know, for, for certain reasons to, to try the film school route. But I will tell you that they never had this discussion. And I guarantee if you have this discussion, this will save you so much time. If you're really real with yourself, there's no right or wrong if you want to just be the camera person, lighting person, and get hired on the next job. And it doesn't matter. And it's not a big deal if you want to be that creative person with a big picture idea. That's a more lonely path. So that's the first thing I encourage uh, filmmakers to figure out for themselves, which I help them do. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a great thing because yeah, actually. And do you think, do you think, like, how do you, how much do you think it's preventing them to go forward? Actually, not realizing actually the re- their real role in the in the whole f- piece. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's 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 incremental uh, that you get really real about yourself because you can kind of just fall into the crowd or the fad, 
of, you know, like doing this particular thing this way, or like, hey, all my buddies out of film school, they got hired at this company, so I'm just work over here. I really wanted to work on the screenplay, but, you know, they're hiring at this production house. Or I really want to, you know, um, I really want to just, you know, uh, you know, work, you know, work as a uh, lighting and grip person, you know, out in California. But mm-hmm. then I feel like, oh, my, my friend wants me to help him on his eighth short film. And I really don't want to help him out. I really don't really believe in helping him with this vision. I just want to go out and get the work at the local, local 23 union in California. I don't really want to stick around and work on my friend's fifth short for free. You know, yeah. and it's okay to have, it's okay to be a little selfish when making that decision because it's your life, it's your career. Yeah, that's actually, that's actually great. And I totally understand that. Okay. Do you have any, any other things you want to share? Um, we, you can, not exactly. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of ways we can go with this. I may need a yeah. few more questions to guide it. <laughs> there's oh, yeah, a lot of stuff I can talk about. I just don't want to go off of anything, but yeah, we could, we could, we, we could discuss a little more. It's up to you. Yeah, actually, actually, I would like to know if there is anything you can tell to filmmakers, because I see that self-awareness, understanding your role is key first, because it really depends on the career you're going to have. So I definitely see that as a problem. Now, what can you say filmmakers can do? If you can say like one, two, three things that filmmakers can do, besides, as you told, knowing their role, what can they do actually to get to the next level? What they don't, What do they don't know? That's nobody's telling them. Okay. Well, the first thing, like I mentioned, be really real with yourself. I'm giving y'all some free, you know, advice here. Uh, figure out if you're crew minded, or if you're honestly creator minded. Figure that out first. Second thing I would do is that you want to realize that it's all about the work. It's all about putting in a long amount of work for a long period of time, whether you go the crew route or the creator route. And I think a lot of people get it like, and I love how you mentioned this point earlier about better gear. It's not the solution. Oh yeah. I remember <laughs> my first camera I shot from dating myself back in 2007 in college, shout out Wayne State University back in Detroit. Um, my first camera was a P, it was called a PD, a Sony PD 170 on mini DV tape. I don't mm. know if you were shooting back when they had mini DV tape, but they were almost kind of like, they were just, a step above like film cameras it was like the technology right after film cameras oh, you know see. so you pretty much had to shoot like on this mini dv tape you go back to the edit lab you take the tape you put it like in this log and it would like capture the log digitize it into final cut seven like at the time oh, you know nice. and now we have now we have uh films there's like a film called tangerine it went to sundance a few years ago all shot on an iphone literally on an iphone So yeah. this is nothing new. A lot of this I'm telling you, the filmmakers that are watching, they know this. So it's not about your, 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 your film school thesis, which, oh my God, I know your film school thesis is brilliant and it's going to get into Sundance. It's just going to blow the, your, your, the career doors wide open. Maybe it will. You know, I'm, I'm optimistic, but I'm a realist optimistic to where I say that it's not about the camera you use. It's not about the film festival you get into or the film school you go to. It's about every day sitting down and doing the unglamorous, unsexy work, all right? And along with that, here's another rule I will teach you. Um, and once again, if you're going the crew route, that means you're knocking on every door of a production company, you're calling, you're networking, you're maybe moving to cities to meet people because you're trying to like get on those productions. You're more in a supportive technical role, which is cool. 
And then if you're on the creator side, once again, a lot of that entails you sitting down. And this is like, I didn't invent this. This is Stephen King. This is George R.R. R. Martin of Game of Thrones. What do writers do? Right. Oh, hey, but I heard that before. I know, but are you doing it? And that's where I help people because they don't realize there's a lot of things in their personality or their everyday habits that are holding them back from that next level. And a lot of that is just sitting down and writing every day. Oh, well, I, I my job, I, I have time to do a Saturday, Sunday. No, 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 no. Are you sitting down and doing it every day? That is the unglamorous, unsexy work. We want to get that nugget of, well, okay, what can I use to get into this Sundance Fest? Oh, what can I, what hat can I use? We want this kind of magic bullet. But it's mm -hmm. like, no, bro. <laughs> End of the day, it's doing the work. Yes, like the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yes, and those opportunities comes up where a producer might see your work or you get in a certain festival. But it doesn't come just like, you know. Um, so with that in mind, like uh, the point I wanted to mention that is uh, with the creator mindset. You wanna, well, for example, if you're out here creating, you may be working a day job, nine to five, may have nothing to do with them. But guess what? You're paying your bills. You're not worried. Crew-minded people don't tend to have to worry about this as much. A lot of times they may travel for work. I know a lot of people that moved out of Michigan, they moved to California, Atlanta, where the busier industries were, and they get the work. You know, they go out and they PA on set and they work 10 to 12 hours and they grind, which is great, but it's just not for everybody. But those crew-minded, that crew-minded crowd, they are more prone to get the work because they can hustle and get the work and they have the technical background. Now, if you're more creator mindset, you don't have that technical know-how, get the day job, get the nine to five, has nothing to do with film, get those bills paid, all right? And you want to pretty much, what I like to do is I like to call this the right, and let me know if I'm going too long or whatnot. Oh, no, you're like going okay. right on that. But I, I, I've embraced what I call the read, the right read and watch rule. The right read and watch rule for filmmakers, especially for you creative-minded people out there. I get it. Because uh, we kind of fall into this whole, oh, I'm a filmmaker, so I can watch all TV I want. I can watch all the <laughs> film I want, all the movies I want. When did you, well, when did you, when, when did you, when did you write last? Well, you know, I'm, I'm working on it, but I got these other shows to catch up on. And yeah. that is killing you. That is killing a lot of you out there because you fall under this, well, I'm a creative. And also what's killing you is your whole, oh, I'm a creative morning person routine. And I'm not going to rant too much on that, but I'm sure Gabriel, like a guy like you building this brand, you, 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 you're working on yourself, you're doing personal development, you're exposing that and adding it to your filmmaking business. I know you know about mirror, uh, morning routines and what a lot of entrepreneurs do and the successful habits. A lot of that has to do with getting up. So that's a whole nother subject. I'm not going to hammer you guys on that today, but, you know, but I would say one tip is definitely wake up earlier. But as far as the, what I mentioned, the right read and watch rule is that, and I'm not perfect at this either. I still have to work at finding a balance, but you never want to be consuming more than 50, like hundred percent of the time. You don't want to be consuming content more than 50% of the time. So it needs to be 50, 50 at the most where you're, reproducing as in your writing your shooting your editing stuff 50 percent of the time and then on this side is the consuming all right so consuming is you're watching the tv and the films and whatnot and like the tea because once again there's a lot of great tv out there we're in a uh we're in a pretty much a tv renaissance as you know mm. and uh what's great about it is that 
there is a lot of content where you can learn from, but it's, it's easy to get sucked up in. I'm just, oh, I'm studying, I'm learning, and you're just yeah. watching stuff. So I say write, read, watch, rule, write is where you're screenwriting something, or it can apply toward editors out there who are editing something, you know, because a lot of everyone may not be a writer, maybe you're an editor of some sort, you're writing or editing something, the right part. Next is the read. A lot of filmmakers aren't uh, reading scripts. There's a lot of things you learn from reading other screenplays, good or good and bad. And this was exposed to me when I had a chance, when I came out here to LA, I had a I, I was able to work, uh, fortunately, in the uh, mailroom over at uh, Verve Talent Literary Agency. I'll give them a free shout out. They're not paying me for that. But, you know, um, it, it definitely offered, definitely exposed me to a lot about the screenwriting side of the business and looking at scripts, what's called script coverage, because they represent film uh, director and writers. Now they recently expanded to actors as well. But back when I was there, they only rep the directors and filmmakers. So I really had a blessed opportunity to be in these uh, rooms, these agents, and basically being able to pitch projects, pitch a script I read over the weekend. And it really learned, maybe taught me more about the structure and putting in the work, you know? Mm -hmm. So I highly encourage people to read scripts. You can go to the internet movies script database. You can look up old screenplays, read your friend's scripts, have them read yours, pick apart what's bad about it, what's good about it, you know? So that's the read rule where I encourage people to read stuff. And that falls more under self-study because it's not always, sometimes it's fun to read certain scripts if they're good, but it's not always entertainment to read scripts sometimes. Sometimes it can kind of fall under the work. It can kind of fall under, I want to say it's producing. You're not producing anything, but you are self-study. All right, so reading is kind of more like self-study. It's towards your craft, all right? Yeah. And then thirdly, I say at the end of the day, once you get, the producing out the way, which is either writing or editing first, once you get the self-study out the way, which is reading scripts, the study of the scripts, then is watch. So write, read, and watch. So yeah, now spend part of the day, end of the day, you know, don't fall asleep in front of your TV at 2 a.m. But, you know, yeah, watch that uh, episode or two of that TV show, that hot new TV show everybody's been telling you to watch. You know, go check out that movie you've been meaning to watch on Netflix or Prime. You know, that's totally cool. That's just my philosophy. And uh, I've been more consistent on that this past year. And I've just fully em embraced that mindset, the right read and watch rule. Mm. And what, what, what would you say that's, that's rule gave you in return? What it gave me? Yeah, compared to when you were, weren't using it that much before. Oh, yeah. It just gave me a lot more perspective because there's a lot of filmmakers out here that are really hobbyists. If you're not putting the amount of uh, hours toward the work every day, you're a hobbyist. You're watching, you're consuming more than you're producing. All right. And I say producing, not to say we're all film producers, but even if you're a screenwriter, even if you're like a gaffer on a movie set, when you're doing the work, when you're writing, when you're gaffing, when you're directing, that's producing. It's all producing. That comes from kind of, that's kind of like a sales term where yes. you're producing. But that applies to whatever your discipline is. You're producing, if you're directing on set, if you're stringing up lights, if you're sitting down writing every day, you're, you're producing, you're producing a product or service. So yeah, that, that, that having that mindset and developing that ratio has helped immensely to give me perspective and realize, okay, I'm not the filmmaker because I'm watching 
I watched all the Tarantino Spike Lee joints, you know, mm-hmm. um, to oh, answer yeah. your question. So. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, how much do you think it's important to actually take some time aside of what you do and train, study on your craft, whatever is actually reading, reading scripts, like you told me, or doing all the things, what would you recommend first and how much it is important actually? Oh yeah, I would recommend, um, yeah, yeah. Like I mentioned, bro, I kind of like uh, summed it all up in the right read and watch rule. It's just essential. Now, because you could easily go the flip way. A lot of people get caught up just watching stuff more than they produce. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of people, they may just take this camera and then like shoot so much, but they're not learning and improving along the way. All right. And uh, I'll give a specific example of a festival where like a guy was like, yeah, you know, like we, we screened this movie, which is pretty bad. I mean, I remember being a pan, I'm not going to name the festival, the filmmaker. But then, like, when they were doing the Q&A, everybody was kind of like, hmm. And then he was sort of like, yeah, I just didn't, you know, want to make another hood movie. And everybody's going like, bro, that was a hood movie. That was kind of, which is kind of slang for, you know, very urban, a lot of urban stereotypes of Black folks in it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, okay, you weren't even, he didn't have a level of self-awareness on that movie. And I think you should always take account and take your ego out of it and get feedback now and make sure you're incrementally improving but your movies <laughs> look the same way they did like five seven years ago it's time to take account so some people can get caught up on the other extreme gabriel where all they're doing is shooting they're, they're, they're putting out content shooting isn't a isn't an issue some people have, don't have no issue putting out content but they're not getting any incremental feedback they're, they're getting kind of the validation of cheerleading from all their family, friends, like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, but you know, no one's sitting down with you saying, yeah, this movie kind of sucks. Or you just improve this here, or you need to work, focus on getting a DP and not shoot this part yourself next time, you know, and get that incremental feedback, which is, you know, it's kind of like that quote uh, from Pharrell, uh, the truth will set you free, first it'll piss you off. And I've had to have people sit down with me and say, hey, bro, that wasn't that hot or you should probably improve this. And yeah, it kind of stings a bit. Yeah. But you learn to get better when you get that unfiltered, uh, unemotionally attached feedback from a third party versus your family and friends saying, oh, yeah, it was great. You know? <laughs> yeah, actually, because I, I believe that whenever you hear something like this, oh, yeah, it was great. Without any more details, it's actually that there is something. That's that really bad. Yeah. <laughs> they got no feedback for you. Yeah, and I got to work on that, too, because even like when I'm giving what we call script notes or coverage back to like clients of mine, it's like, yeah, sometimes I can get caught up in just saying it's great or I like this part. And I got to challenge myself even now to where, okay, this script really didn't hit the right way. I kind of gave it like a nice complimentary pass. Mm -hmm. I need to go back and look and say, okay, you need to improve this or let me deep dive and get specific. So sometimes you got to get out of your family and friend comfortable circle and not wait on their validation or to say, hey, great job, buddy, and get the pat on the back. You got to just go out and do the work and let other people look at it. You know? Exactly. You got to really like learn, go do the hard work and go exactly. figure out the debrief. Okay, that's that works, that doesn't. And mm-hmm. would you say you got to be tough on yourself sometimes? Like be like, um, that, all the time, man. It'd be tough all the time. I'm tough on the people I work with. I'm in a couple of writers groups and we meet there twice a month. There's 
Well, there's actually three that I'm in. Uh, one is two are where we only talk about feature films and TV pilots that we share, discuss, give each other feedback twice a month. Another one is just strictly comedy sketches. But I'm just as hard on the on on the my writers in that group as I am with people that are writing feature screenplays and TV pilots. I, it's just best to give the most. You know, obviously you want to be. You don't want to just say, "Hey, man, your script sucks." You know, yeah, you want to be like, you know, courteous, just like you, you give them, you service people better giving them, I think it's like a quote saying like, uh, it's better to be in honest conflict than false harmony. So yeah. I'm better off giving you this yeah. feedback for, you know, you kind of, you get in your feelings a little bit or emotional versus, oh yeah, it was great. Cause I'm hurting you in the long run. Cause you don't run that up to an agent or manager and then blow the opportunity. Cause everybody told you it was great you know <laughs> so uh oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah and that's actually a great thing you gotta really be really be into that thing not being hard on yourself you gotta be hard on yourself but you gotta tell the truth it's not about like oh you suck you're that no mm -hmm. it's not about that it's about really be like okay what needs to be improved here and also mm -hmm. what can be great i believe you mentioned being in those groups what's also really important is to be in a community that forces you to get better, that can give you- Exactly, and it's uncomfortable. And guess what, it's inconvenient. There's some weeks where I don't feel like showing up to the writer's group. I got other stuff going on, mm -hmm. I got bills to pay. And that habit of being in a writer's group, which I recommend everybody get in a writer's group. What's a writer's group? You and at least two other screenwriters you know. Because if it's just one-on-one, -on -one, when you guys get busy, it gets a little bland. And then you guys quit anyway. But if it's at least you and two other screenwriters you know, you can get on Zoom, you're not to meet anymore. And you guys just say, okay, I got this script I'm working on. Can you, you guys read it? Let's meet back up next week or in three weeks and tell me what you hated about it, what you love. Simple as that. And I would say a trusted circle. I want to go around spamming, you know, messaging everybody on social media and just making a huge group. You want to keep things intimate because it's your stuff, it's your IP. But yeah, writers groups are incremental. I mean, there's a lot of mentors I've learned from um, over the years that just said, hey, you got to be in writers groups and you keep doing it. It's all about the work. It's not only about getting the feedback because you should be giving feedback too. It's a give and take. You don't join it just so, so give me my feedback, what I need. No, no, no. You're going to be reading other people's scripts as well. That's going to, once again, it goes back to the, to the uh, read rule, the self-study rule. You can self-study and learn from reading other people's stuff, what's good or horrible about it. And then like, um, and then, yeah, you get, you circle back. And then of course you're able to, when you show up every week, cause you promised like I'd read this guy's script and give them a little bit of notes on it in three weeks. That's going to help build your muscle, your discipline. Cause right now, maybe many of you may not be disciplined. You kind of write when you feel like it. You watch way more movies and TV shows than you ever would write. And you you probably can't honestly say the last time you actually read a script, somebody else's script. So yeah. a lot of you guys have the ratios out of whack. It's not your fault. I was there too. But now that you have the information, it's time to apply that information. Oh, yeah. Um, that, so that's, that's, that's what we're here for, Gabriel. You're doing a great job with this oh, too. Yeah. Th yeah. Thanks a lot, Hayward. And I want to also okay. add something on that. Yeah. It's great to have that information. It's great to like, oh, I've done something great. Edward gave me some good nuggets and Gabe as well. But, and I struggle with that a long time. You know, the person that's always watching the course and we see that, yay, learned some great mm -hmm. things today. What did you do? Uh, nothing, you know? 
You gotta apply the stuff. You gotta apply mm-hmm. those things, and you gotta get consistent. Yeah, that's the worst. When I like give advice, and then yeah, three six months later, a year later, hey, where are you at? Well, you know, <laughs> like where they were before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And you got you to change. You gotta change. And something that we are, we we have a mentor in common, Awood and me. Something that Grant actually taught taught us was, yeah, mm-hmm. if you have something that you want to change, first thing is not to add something else mm-hmm. first thing is that you have to give up something oh yeah most definitely oh yeah and this is the stuff i gotta like you know compromise and give up too i would like to watch a little bit more tv on weekdays i would love to but between like the writing you know because i have a day job as well you know like everybody else you know i'm not out here full-time filmmaker screenwriter but at the same time like i'm on my way but, you know, I still know I have to get in this amount of hours writing. I have to get in this amount of reading. I have to get in this amount, even just personal development, book reading. So, yeah, I had to give up. I love, like, maybe watching an episode or two of a TV show on a weekday night. I had to give that up for a season. And I, you know, I still have. You know, I have a little time on the weekends more. But, yeah, little sacrifices like that. You know, the, can't go out every Friday, Saturday night. You know, occasional birthday, holiday maybe. You know, especially around L.A., we're big on like they'll shut down the whole industry from like the middle start of December to like end of January. Oh, wow. You know? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Not that you got to be out in L.A. as much as you did before COVID. But yeah, I mean, you have to. Yeah, you got to compromise, definitely. And not have it your way all the time if you want to get to, you know, get to greatness. as they say. Oh, yeah, you're right. And I. I I've had an interesting question come to my mind. On okay. a scale from one to ten, how much do you think gear is actually oh, making the difference? Let's <laughs> talk about this, bro. It means absolutely nothing. Now, don't get me wrong. Back to the crew-minded. If you're a camera assistant, that's your lane. I know several very talented ACs or gaffers um, who, yeah, they have their own grip truck. They have their own camera set so a lot of times they have like you know rates where in order to get me in the camera it's like two three thousand whatever day or whatnot if you want to just get me it's x amount so yeah when it comes to specifically crew-minded camera systems acs dps yes that does matter because you're competitive out here it is i hate to I'm not trying to call people commodities, but there is a commodity aspect to it. You are competing with the next DP with the latest camera and specs. So it matters in that aspect. But if you're out here as a writer, director, producer on the creator side, where you're not getting hired for all that technical work, the camera doesn't matter. All right. I've shot on stuff. Like I mentioned, my first film, Sony PD-170, mini DV tape. Then my first camera I got out of school, you know, a grad gift, Canon T3i. Yeah. All right. Um, I shot my film school thesis on the Black Magic Pocket Camera. Um, and then there's even comedy sketch stuff that uh, in my writers group that we do, we, we shoot that on a, a Sony A7 III. Um, yeah. The recent short film, you know, shameless plug, it's called Alpine, Dark Thriller kind of like the village meets Apocalypto meets, uh, I forgot the other one. Um, (laughs) But we shot that back in Michigan on the uh, Canon R5. Shout out to uh, my cinematographer, Alice Gasparetto, doing a lot of great things. And he put me on that camera, like maybe like a few months into 
pre-production and I didn't know anything about it. I kind of had already stepped away from the, the crew-minded side for a while, but I'm always down to learn and I'm open to new ideas and new techniques. So we had a conversation and meeting about the Canon R5 and all the advantages and whatnot. And I'm like, cool, let's go, why not? I might not have a chance to shoot on this for a while. So like I said, the camera doesn't matter. Um, the editing platform doesn't matter either. It really depends on what your editor prefers and what's compatible. But yeah, unless you're a crew-minded individual, you're out here getting hired for that stuff. Yeah. If you're a writer, director, producer, camera doesn't matter. It's what matters is the amount of work you're doing. You can have this really nice film shot on the RE Alexa, but mm -hmm. if you didn't put that out, if that was the last project you shot in the past two years, I guarantee the person that's shooting with a Canon T-Series every week is going to run circles around you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's practice every day doing the non-sexy work as you're told. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And the gear doesn't matter as much as we think. And hey, what I'm to close this, I'm gonna we're gonna finish that interview. And I want I wanna I wanna ask you if you have one takeaway, one thing you can tell the audience to do mm -hmm. right now to take action on something, what would it be? Oh I would say one thing to take action on is really figuring out yourself because like any industry or business you're in, it's, it, is a, a, it is a bit of a mind game. It kind of starts with you up here. A lot of people want to tell me what to do, get this. And, you know, you don't have a lot of this foundation. So the foundation is discovering if you're really, because you may, they may be veteran filmmakers listening to this and they've been that good at their thing for years. And yeah. they're, they're just figuring this out. Like, wow, I never really thought about that. So figure out if you're crew minded or creator minded, the sooner you figure that out, the better. You know, it wasn't until recently, the past few years, I had that honest conversation. Um, and then from there, obviously, you want to factor in like, you know, what your risk, your risk, your risk tolerance is, because your risk tolerance, likely, when you're crew minded, you need to you want to you want to get the work, you want to pay the bills, as you to pay the bills. Now, if you creator mindset, there's a certain risk tolerance that comes with that, but you not likely have to get the day job because your writing, producing, directing isn't going to be paying the bills. For a while so you really want to discover whether your crew or creator minded you really want to be real about what your risk tolerance is like can i go this amount of time maybe making this much and maybe struggling or do i need to have this job this production house or or, or in this union you know um yeah and then from there just got to be real and then it goes back to doing the work doing that unsexy work in your discipline whether you're writing at a coffee shop every day or at home, or if you know you're you're self-studying the camera specs on the latest RE camera about the drop, you know. So exactly. I would say that's that's the thing. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Doing the work, doing the work, doing the work, and doing the work, man. Yeah. Doing the work. That was great, Edward. Thanks a lot for coming on that show. I, I had a really great insights on what I can do and what the audiences can do. So that's really great. Thanks a lot for that, man. I hope we can do something together in the future. 